0: well good morning everyone our scripture reading today will be from matthew chapter 23 1 through 12 then jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the teachers of the law and the pharisees sit in Moses' seat so you must be careful to do everything they tell you but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others but you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers and they do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor the messiah the greatest among you will be your servant For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." When these scriptures were written some 2000 years ago, wow, the world was a much, much different place. But how these scriptures, what the meaning of these scriptures is no different today than it was then, and how we strive, how we need to strive to live our lives. Thank you.
1: Amen. Thank you, David. Awesome. You guys were probably beginning to think that you had to be like under sixteen in order to read the scriptures, right? <laughs> not that you're not that you're much over sixteen. I mean, twenty three maybe, right? So has the energy of a twenty three year old at least, so Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Meadows Church. We're glad you're here. We are in the final week of our Right Side Up Kingdom series. And um, so far we've talked about how God's kingdom is really in the unseen. And so because Jesus sees us, now we can move from being a people of the seen, of needing to be noticed, of needing to be seen in all that we do, and we can move into an unseen kingdom. And so this week we're going to kind of expand on that day, idea, but first I would love to just take a moment, start our time in prayer, because there are a, a lot of people, if you've been attached to our church for you know a couple months or something, you probably know somebody who's going through something right now. There's a lot of pain in our church, there's been loss, there's been sickness, there's been health issues, all these things. So I'd love to just take a moment and just ask God to sort of intervene in these situations, Uh, as we move forward. Father, man, you know the things that are going on, and I just pray in this moment that your authority and your power will be revealed abundantly through these situations. Father, we desire comfort, we desire peace, and we desire these things really from the only source that truly can give these things. So, Father, we ask We ask for spiritual healing. We ask for physical healing of bodies. And man, we ask that you will just make us a people who continue to bear each other's burdens. And Father, help those who are hurting right now to know that you truly are above it all. And help us here today to realize that truth as well. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying, we're in Matthew chapter 23, and uh, we really want to start addressing this question since Easter, right? We live in this post-resurrection time, and it will always be post-resurrection. So how do we now live in the kingdom of God? So we want to answer that question as we close out the series here. Again, uh, if you'll turn to Matthew 23, we're going to go through what David read today, but let me give you a little bit of context leading up to that point. So in Matthew 22, at the end of it, the Pharisees kind of decide that they're just going to go ahead and stop asking Jesus questions. They've continued to try to trap Jesus. They've never really asked questions for the answer. They've always just wanted to trap him. And in Matthew 22, they come up with this brilliant trap. I mean, it's really, really good. They, you can tell that they've brought like all their grandmaster chess champions together to try to figure out what can we do here to trap Jesus. And so, when they ask him about paying taxes to Caesar. I mean, this is really seemingly a no-win situation for Jesus in this moment because if he says no, don't pay taxes, well then the Pharisees, they don't have to worry about Jesus anymore because now the Romans are going to kill Jesus. In fact, about 2 decades prior to this, there was a man named Judas, a different Judas, who started or tried to start a revolution. Because he said paying taxes to Caesar was like giving into paganism. So he started this big revolution, or tried to, and the Romans quickly killed him and all of his disciples. So they're hoping in this moment that Jesus will just say, no, don't pay taxes, because that will be the end of him. And we know that that's true because of the way that they lead into it. It's, it's kind of funny in a way. They say, great teacher, great teacher. We know that you have the words of truth, so tell us, right? And this is kind of the first time they've ever acted like that, as if they're saying, let me wash my hands of this moment, and whenever he says no, then we'll just pretend, hey, we didn't want this to happen, but the Romans just kind of took over, right? But if he says, yes, pay taxes, well, now they think that the Jewish people will turn on him as well. Because there was a perception that the Messiah would come and say, you only give your money to God. You only give your money to the temple of God. So in this moment, it's such a hard situation for anybody but Jesus. Right? So when he's asked about paying taxes, he says what? He says, well, whose name is on the coin? He says, okay, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. As if to say, go ahead, give Caesar his 15 minutes of fame if he really wants it. Just go ahead and give it to him. Let him continue to live in his crummy little short-lived kingdom. But the weightier things, the bigger things, like your soul, give those things to God. And of course, the Pharisees left there amazed. They're like, wow. And yet still, there's not an openness, right? There's there's not a thought of maybe this could possibly be the Messiah because all they can think about is the fact that their authority is now um, being taken over by Jesus, and they can't have that. And so the Pharisees, man, they, they are dominated by wanting to preserve their position and power. And so in Matthew 23, Jesus is saying, hey guys, not so with you all. And here today, not so with us. Because we don't need our 15 minutes of fame. We have been seen already by the king, the one who has ultimate authority. We've been seen by him. So we're free of having to have a position, have authority, have our name on a coin because we've been seen by Jesus. So we're going to go through Matthew 23, 1 through 12. We're just going to stop and start along the way here. It says this, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So let's stop here for just a minute. So Jesus does something here that I think is so foundationally important. He says, don't throw the message out with the messenger. So the Pharisees, certainly the Jewish people have seen that the Pharisees have been very hypocritical, right? They, they have all these laws that they're raising, that aren't even in the scriptures, but that they're putting on people. And the Jewish people probably pretty quickly realized, hey, wait, um, you guys aren't doing the things that you're saying to do. But he's saying right here that, that when they teach the scriptures, when they're teaching from the word of God, still listen to them, even though they're being hypocritical. And I think for us, that's difficult sometimes, right? When um, I was preparing for this, I remembered when I was a freshman in high school, I had met a senior who was the leader of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and um, man, he, he did not like me, evidently. I'd come to find out pretty quickly. I uh, introduced myself to him, and I said, hey, you know, my name's Dallas, and I've heard a lot of things about you. It's nice to meet you. And he said, well, I've heard a lot of not-so-good things about you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks. Great, Great to have this conversation with you, right? And so... So I quickly realized after that, I gave in to false thinking. I said, really, is this what the Christian faith is about? You see that disconnect? It wasn't just about one person. It was about the entire message. And so I wasn't very interested in Christianity because of that engagement with that one person. But y'all should know by now that sometimes God will use some very sketchy people to preach his message. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> My dad gave me an amen. That's, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. But hey, only one. I mean, I'll take that. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. It says, They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So the Pharisees are putting on these heavy loads for people. Again, they're reading the Scriptures, which is good. And sort of they're exiging the scriptures, which is also good. But they're adding all these things that they themselves are not willing to keep. And y'all remember, and I'm not trying to make like a political statement. This is just a thing about hypocrisy. But do y'all remember at the height of COVID when there were all these rules and mandates. And yet you would see from time to time the people who put those rules and mandates not abiding by them. Right? So... My five-year-old in kindergarten is wearing a mask for seven and a half hours a day, you know, just grinding it out, sliding it all over her face, dropping it on the floor, stepping on it, you know, sneezing in it, but then putting it right back over her nose, right? (laughs) Because that's the way that it had to be, and yet there were people who had positions of power who felt like, actually, those rules are just for you, (laughs) they're not for us, right? And this is what's happened with the Pharisees here. That for whatever reason, sometimes we feel like if, if we have more power, the more power that we feel like we have, the less almost we feel like we have to abide by the rules, even if those rules are what we have set ourselves. But this is what's so great about Jesus, is that Jesus never asks anything of us that he isn't willing to do himself. In fact, did himself. He's someone that if he calls us into battle, he's going to lead the charge into battle. And instead of offering heavy burdens for the people he leads, he offers a light burden. Why? Because he helps carry it. And that's leadership. And that's the difference here. This is the mentality that Jesus is trying to drive home, that that no longer does leadership look like using power for your own benefit, but actually leveraging it for the benefit of others. Verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide, which, by the way, David, nice job. Man, I worked on that word all week, and he just comes in here and nails it. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. So let's talk about this. In Deuteronomy, there's a couple of references to this. And then in Numbers, it's referenced. And then also in Isaiah, there was a tradition uh, that you wanted to have the Word of God on your head and on your hand. So kids, when they were really young, this was taught to their kids all the time. Hey, everything that you do, base it around the Word of God. And every thought that you have, base that around the Word of God. Well, about 400 years before the time of Jesus, some of the religious leaders decided that they would take that literally. Literally. And so they started to um, carry around these little leather boxes called phylacteries. And over time, they would start to carry bigger phylacteries to show that they were really religious, right? And so you had to have, you had to carry around these phylacteries to show that you had the Word of God on your head and on your hand. And so you can see how over time, this would shift our heart, right? Instead of just wanting to have the Word of God on our minds and and doing everything based on the Word of God and being obedient, you can see how you would start to very quickly want to have people perceive you as though you were holy, as though you were doing these things. In fact, Jesus gives reference to the fact that uh, this is kind of paralleled where uh, when they fast, they would come in and they would be all pale looking, right? Oh, man, I just... I'm having a tough time because I'm, I'm fasting. I'm so holy, right? He said, don't do that. Because the phylacteries weren't being used as a tool to help them memorize Scripture or obey Scripture. It was so that everybody could see them. And so very quickly it becomes less about what's on the inside and a lot more about the outside. And so there's embarrassment. If you forget your little leather box... Now you're embarrassed because people think you're not holy. And it's all about perception instead of reality. But for us here today, God cares a lot more about who we are than what people perceive us as. That's so important. It's the reality that is important, not the perception. It doesn't matter if people see us a certain way. Let's just become a certain way. That's so important to Jesus, the reality of the situation, the heart, not the perception. This is living in the kingdom of God. Verse 6. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. So, in modern day language, they're essentially saying, put some respect on my name. You guys hear that often? Put some respect in my name. That's what the culture says, right? Put some respect on my name. Give me a title. Give me a position. Give me notoriety. Help me to feel validated by giving me a high position or esteeming my name. And so this morning we have to ask ourselves that same question. Are we motivated by notoriety? Are we motivated by perception? Are we motivated by people seeing us a certain way, or are we motivated by the kingdom of God and God in His favor on our lives? See, Jesus is showing us an entirely different way forward here, starting in verse 8. Let's continue reading. He says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father. For you have one Father, and He is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, God can work with humility. In fact, I think when you see a lot of these stories, that that's kind of the foundation for being able to receive his power, right? And this is why things like arrogance are so important to stamp out in the Christian life. Because when we're saying, hey, we've got power or we're doing okay, then we're not opening ourselves up to his power in our lives. But when we are humble, we can say, man, we don't care about power. We don't care about position. It doesn't matter. We, we, we've already submitted to the ultimate position, the ultimate authority, the ultimate power in our lives, so we can do away with it. We're free of it. We don't need that anymore. Who cares about it? It is His source. It is His power in our lives. So because we've been seen by Jesus, because all of our needs have been met through Jesus, forget it. We don't need it. Now, if God wants to give it to us and grant it to us, then we should be good stewards of that and not reject it. But we don't go seeking it out. We don't be motivated by these positions anymore. We're free of it. We're free of it. So here's where we're kind of headed to end this series. Remember last week we talked about we can be a people of the unseen because Jesus sees us. And now, because we are seen by Jesus, we are free to show anyone and everyone that they are also seen by him. Now, I chose that wording carefully because I think it's really important. As I was reading through Matthew 23, I was reminded of Luke 6, 28, where Jesus says this radical, radical statement. He says, bless those who curse you. Now, we are only free to ever do that when we have given up any need to be seen or validated by other people. So today I'm not asking you to to go and make sure you do this because first you've got to receive the truth and the reality of that statement that Jesus sees us, that all of our needs are being met by him. But when we do see that, now we are free to go and show anyone and everyone that they are also seen by Jesus, even those who have caused great harm to us in our lives. Man, we're free. Why? Because we don't have to hold them accountable. We don't have to make sure that they see us a certain way or they change or whatever. Our emotions, our thoughts are not contingent on that anymore because we've been seen by Jesus. Um. There's a story that Mark Frangione told me this week, and just a profound story. Maybe you heard this story too. Um, Daryl Strawberry, he's a baseball player. Mark knows the way to my heart, you know, talking about baseball. But he told me, um, and there was a podcast, uh, was it Greg, Greg Laurie, does anybody know, was it Greg Laurie, yeah, uh, podcast this week, and um, Daryl Strawberry was interviewed, and he was a baseball player, and I remember at a young age, kind of like pulling for him, because I knew he had a lot of substance abuse issues, and a lot of off the field things, and I knew he was just really struggling, well, he shares uh, his story about how he's gone through all these different things in his life. He's an eight-time all-star, four-time World Series champion, and he gets caught up in substance abuse, inappropriate relationships, all these different things, trying to find approval. And one day, he gives his life to Jesus, and his life begins to change. Well, one day, um, he's face-to-face with his dad. He gets a phone call and. His dad's in the hospital, and one thing you got to know is a lot of his issues came about because his dad physically abused him his whole childhood, him and his brothers. He'd take extension cords and things and just beat him and threaten him and pull guns on him and all these different things. And so his childhood was really rough, and that's what really led to some of these issues. Well, one day, he's an adult, his dad's getting older, and he gets a phone call, says, hey, your dad's in the hospital. He said after that phone call, he felt like God was telling him, hey, you need to go over there to the hospital, see your dad, and ask him for forgiveness. What? Go and ask him for forgiveness? How about demand an apology? Right? That's kind of the mentality. That's our nature. He said, no, no, no. God was telling me, go ask him for forgiveness for having hate, in your heart, all that time towards him because of the things that he did. And don't for a second mention to him anything that he has done to you. So he goes over there to the hospital. And he, uh, he says, Dad, please forgive me for the hate I've had towards you all my life. And his dad forgives him and he just bawls crying. I mean, he just lets all that emotion out right, right there with his dad. And then after he's done crying, he says, Dad, I'm different. I mean, I, you know, I, I just got to tell you, I, I'm different now. I, I've encountered the good news of Jesus, and, and man, it's just really changed my life. And if you don't care, I'd love to tell you a little bit about that. His dad says, yeah, sure. And so he lays out the gospel to him. And in that moment, he leads his dad, the one who abused him his whole life, into a relationship with Jesus. All because he took Matthew 23 and Luke 6 seriously. Man, bless those who curse you. Own what you need to own as a Christian and bless those who curse you. And he said in the interview, he said, I can do that. And the only reason I can do that is because Jesus has seen me in my brokenness. Again, We've got to know that he sees us, and if we do truly know that he sees us, now we're free, guys. We don't don't have to hold people accountable for different things. We don't have to do that. We don't have to make sure that that person who caused trauma in my life and stuff like that is held to account. We can just freely own what we need to own, and we can bless even those who curse us. So a question I'd love for us to dwell on as we move forward is, where in my life do I need to bless somebody around me? I mean, are there people, I mean, a lot of times it doesn't really take an abusive situation for us to hold on to something, right? I can experience that in my own life. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, man, I'll be, I'll be having a great day sometimes, and somebody cuts me off, and I'm ready to fight, right? Don't judge me for that. Or maybe somebody in your household, you feel like maybe they should be carrying their weight more, and so that there's a a wall that comes up in our lives because we just feel like, man, they should be doing more. Or maybe there's a church member, right, that just, man, they said something, they did something, and now I'm just putting up a wall. But what does it look like for us to take all those things out of play and just bless everyone, anyone and everyone, even those who have hurt us so badly? Y'all, I believe that this is the fulfillment of living life in the kingdom of God that we recognize that we're seen by God and now we're free to show others that they're seen by him as well even those who curse us even those who curse us y'all Jesus knows Jesus is so smart <laughs> you ever think of Jesus as just being so intelligent usually we think he's yeah he's like relational and all that but he's really smart <laughs> he knows in this moment, that he is going to be taken away and he's going to give his life up. They're going to kill him. And he also knows that they're going to come after the disciples. But he also knows in the long game that, that the church will grow, that the church will one day gain power and authority. And so he's laying out this mode to say, you know, you might be tempted in that moment to have retribution against the Pharisees because all this time... They've been doing these things, and they've been harming you and all that, and you're going to have a chance to really make them pay. But he's saying, don't. Don't do it. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. And that stops the whole thing, right? Because if you get retribution and now you have a new generation of people coming in and and the Christians are are treating the Pharisees a certain way, then it just continues this cycle over and over and over again. But Jesus is saying this cycle stops with you. It stops right here. This is a whole new way forward. It stops with you. You can bless even those who curse you. What they do has no um, mandate on what you do moving forward. We can. As we leave here, live in the kingdom of God by blessing those who curse us. Y'all, I believe that this is living life in a right-side-up kingdom. Blessing those who curse us. Y'all, if that's our focus the rest of our lives, that's that's a life well lived. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, penetrate our hearts. Help us to see the areas that we need to just give over to you here today. Father, maybe there's bitterness that's, that's been decades long. Maybe there are even people who aren't here anymore on earth that we just need to release them of those things. And Father, I pray that you'll make us a people who don't just you know begrudgingly bless those who curse us, but man, we just freely freely do that. Father, we know that only comes through your spirit and your grace in our lives, so we pray here today that you will do that, that you will activate your Holy Spirit in our lives, convict our hearts, draw us closer to you because we need you in this moment Father. Father, we need you. We know all good things come from you. Help us to enjoy life in your kingdom to the full by blessing anyone and everyone even those who curse us. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Respond how you think God is leading you. The altars are open. I'm here to pray with you if you'd like as well. Let's respond in worship.